And you don't want to burn. You don't want the lava monster to get you. Poetry night rings through. On Monday, June 1st, we said... Who did we have? Oh, that's right. I remember. It was... It was... Andrew. Yeah. Andrew Pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to go first. Yeah. Andrew Pine, everybody. The unbearable heat forces me inside where you lie lifeless on the comforter in a floral dress smelling like the afterthought of rain. Residue of the sun caked in your every freckle, I take notes on the form of your body. Platonic, form of all forms, the geometry of the world before men with rulers decided to cut it up with ideas. The only sound in the room is the heat hissing, the wood annoyed into its expanded position, it sounds like air slowly escaping dollar store balloons. After all the children have left the party and all that's left is the almost silent sound that comes with getting older. All right, this is the second poem. The war has persist persisted so long anymore, no one has any recollection how it started. Who, for instance, was the initial aggressor and who the receiver, agent of, recipient of pain? Our reasons are celebrated, ineluctable results of a moral, moral calculus divined in the mouth of a machine, the eyes of the leaders peering inside and the eyes of the drones peering out and below the earth is a remote body count, but the precision in the kill is now as good or better than the kill itself. The war has persisted so long anymore, no one has any recollection of how the town got there or who its first inhabitants were, but everyone stops what they are doing to see the caterpillars drop from the trees, bunching in the thousands atop benches and 5,000 miles away, cicadas return from their 17-year stay underground to rise in deafening cry. Later, their hollowed corpses crunch under feet of passers-by like the pine cones out west in the town nobody seems to remember anything about. And for two weeks out of the year, the caterpillars help to stall the amnesia. Thank you. Andrew Pine, everybody. Next up, we have Angela. She's going to come up and read some poetry for us. Dust Bowl. Those years, there was an epidemic of weather. The rain, when it came, fell in small black drops. There were forecasts for sand. Umbrellas buckled. Pigeons perched red-eyed. June came to mean the smell of burning hair. When all the air conditioners plugged, it required a radical and pragmatic adjustment of our daily lives. Because we'd confounded enough deities with our stupidity, someone said, look, the sand, how the light reflects in each tiny grain. We lift our faces and our mouths fill with it. 
Traveling. One day I will appear. I'm back, I will say. Did you miss me? And you will stare. Quick, I will say, what's the year? And you will tell me 2013. And I will say, oh, snap. I've come back in time two years too soon. You're not ready to be with me again. And I will disappear. I still have a few more dances in me. I might get a tattoo while I'm waiting. I'm a four-year-old who sees whales in fish tanks. I'm 17. Just give me a full tank of gas and I'll be happy. I'm beginning to appreciate the unhinged. It's okay. Those last months you were gone on holiday anyway. Writing home occasionally. I was ready. I will be the Palomino pony running in circles around us. You be the builder of time machines. Thanks. No, that was Angela Scott. Oh, yeah, great. Hey, uh, next up, we got Andrew McBride. So this is a poem by Ellen Bass for my daughter on her 21st birthday. When they laid you in the crook of my arms like a bouquet and I looked into your eyes, dark bits of evening sky, I thought, of course this is you. Like a person who has never seen the sea can recognize it instantly. They pulled you from me like a cork and all the love flowed out. I adored you with the squandering passion of spring that shoots green from every pore. You dug me out like a well. You lit the deadwood of my heart. You pinned me to the earth with the points of stars. I was sure that kind of love would be enough. I thought I was your mother. How could I have known that over and over you would crack the sky like lightning, illuminating all my fears, my weaknesses, my sins? Massive the burden this flesh must learn to bear like mules of love. Ellen Bass. Andrew McBride, everybody. Reading Ellen, Ellen Bass. Ellen? Helen? Ellen Bass. All right. Next up, we have Jory. Uh, this first one is called Divination. The long body of the Buick is brown like a doe. The open hood reveals inscrutable innards of iron. Steam rises from the cavity, the open stomach of a deer on a hard November field. Both Buick and Doe carry a man through winter. My father reaches into that space, his back bent with effort as if through horospects he will solve the mystery of what doesn't work. I can't tell him where the gears go wrong, but I know what stopped the Doe. The second one is uh, learning to dive. Scissor kicks of morning light move through water, dive and bend until they touch bottom, 
blue concrete, reflect and rise, refract and rise. The squat cinder block building shoulders the empty pool of sky, the catalog rows of wire baskets, chlorinated water on concrete, shuddering of the showers, the locker room walls are cool to the touch. Young bodies of boys drying off, changing, each reflects the one next to it, the differing split of pectoral muscle and the pale dayborn constellation of freckles and moles while we reach white towels across our skin, the body dividing sky with a dive. Jory! That was Jory. Okay, next we have Dr. Gary Wade. Thank you and good evening. For the first time in a long time, I have my homework done. It's in the form of a uh, quatrain. My hours in the black drop are golden. Have you checked Comex gold price? Coffee is more constant. <laughs> this is rather old, but it's called the Rain God's Natal Song. I lie awake now, my mind at ease, though I am wrapped in white and tangled sheets of night frets. From my window and above I hear uneven drips of rainfall on the roof in scattered hits and rivulets soft drum from the eaves in uneven syncopation. The clock sits silent, time unticked, its quietness reminding me that I must wind its key to make the hours pass. Minutes remain unsummed in this room universe without my attention. Is there really a world outside, absent my desire or my design? Is it all a stage set by a god to test the play of my invention? Are trees here by my agreement? If this universe is but a dream, am I then the dreamer? Or am I subplot to a greater vision by a greater mind? Or does the master scene spring from your and my consensus? Not far away across the yard, Angela, the young mother, begins her morning song, praising earth and sun and cloud and rain. Were there no God, the beauty of her voice in summer rain would create him. Her song is steady, sweet, and clear, entrancing all, and for a moment the rain stops as a new rain demigod listens. Then a new and stronger drumming begins. Dr. Gary Wade, our dirt scientist. Awesome. Next up, and the final poet in our first set, still before nine, uh, is going to be Dobby. East Memphis Rhythms. The sloshing of the grand lady's water pushes off the side of the old river paddle boat and splashes onto the shore. The gamblers play for money. 
The young white boy plays the piano. The wheel turns and pushes. Mom pushed him to play, although he hated it then, playing with his sisters and brothers. A splash of bourbon puts him in the mood and helps him find his groove. He plays, gambling with eternity. Pressing the untuned keys, finding something wonderful. The Negras in the old days knew the upbeat of the downside of an untuned instrument that his parents, classically trained, could never understand. His recognition by the white folks didn't satisfy his soul, but the bills were paid and the pop tunes played to someone else's artistic credit. He's really good, they say, playing those old tunes. They snapped their fingers in time with the imagined good old colored times, and he played on. Elton may smile, Stevie Ray laughed, Elvis may have grinned at the attempt knowing what he tried. Also knowing that he knew the facade was too great to make him an R.B. God or pop wizard, which was his goal. The young man played on, pushing the envelope of soul, licking the wet shore of soul, knowing how cold the wind of soul blew against him. Mr. Leadbelly tried to help, and so did Bessie, each dropping a tear in his direction. But the whip of their times damned the waters, and the slow flow of the bourbon was his only comfort. Bill Street is a mall these days, and the white boy played on. He sang the songs of mules pulling and cotton chopping in the summer sweat. They gathered, the gathered swayed, they clapped unknowingly, assured of the history, pretending to recall the beat of the tortured times. They swayed to the chariot's approach and the inevitable pain being lifted from the old field darky's shoulder. The young white boy caught up in the movement played on, relating but not relating to that which had been and sometimes still is. The fingers of bourbon moved him, moved him closer to the suffering, to the cross, to the crescendo. He stood, bowed, and retired to the next swallow in preparation for the next set the smiling, beautiful young white boy head swimmingly would play on. His name was Tommy Hackenberger, and he was a friend of mine, and he's buried in Shoreline, but he played in Memphis. That's Dobby, everybody. It's, it's Erica, everybody. This man that I know, he lived his eternity waiting for this woman to see him. He watched her constantly, but he could never bring himself to meet her eyes. When the end came, the man lamented his undying love and the woman's complete disinterest in his existence. The end pointed out kindly like your grandfather might that perhaps if the man had not followed her with his eyes if the man had instead walked beside her she might have been able to spot him. The man was quiet for a moment and then this man that I knew he spat at the end. the lovely and talented Erica. And next up, we have the lovely and talented Lance. Come on up, the lovely and talented Lance. 
Ask, ask for the assistance with a million skyward eyes, and there will be an answer. Learn yourselves, for there is more importance within than, than the commodities that have been keeping our minds earthbound. Feel free to be free. This, these precious words have always been as much for me as they are for you. After all, this is just the floodgates of my overflowing mind, translated and portrayed to convey this message bestowed upon my soul. Take it in what sense thou wilt, the very essence of art. Thank you. That is Lance, everybody. We have Tanum, who's going to come up again and read for us. Come on, Tanum. And it's called Revisiting. The day will come when you'll go back to the hills again. You said you missed the smell of the sage between your fingertips. Leaves in the desert don't feel the same. No, leaves in the desert feel like memories thick and woolen, feel like stones of skin worn by pocketed thumbs, shamefully revisiting as if forks of creek brushed the words over and over again like you did, like you did with your body rolling out prints of another body, holding each up like a screen against the world, against the fact of your torn image and her cold, evacuated heart. The day will come when you'll hold again the moment that stands as your worst and decide either to drop the leaves back to the earth or swallow them whole. Thank you. Tanum from the Black Drop. I'm going to hand the mic to Layla and Rena. You guys want to come up together? Leela. I'm going to read, I don't know if it has a title, but I guess it's called, What is There to a Notebook? What is there to a notebook but paper and silver twisting binding along its edge? I will tell you what there is. There is writing inside, deep between its leafy pages. There are words that fit together just perfectly, creating the melody of poetry. It's pretty short. Okay, uh, so coming up next is Rena. Hey, next one is called Live Nude Girl's Favorite Thing to Feel. Dressed in body glitter and false eyelashes, she dances while men reach up to touch her ankles. In the morning, dressed in a t-shirt and jeans, she eats biscuits and gravy, then rides the train home to sit on her stoop and smokes cigarettes while the neighbor kid asks questions about all the things she likes best. What's your favorite thing to feel? He asks, holding up his soft blanket, gently rubbing it between his finger and thumb. She thinks about telling him love, but keeps coming back to a discovery made a week ago. Waking up in the middle of the night, her arm was still asleep, a lump of flesh, foreign and remote, she used her working hand to lift it and rest it on her chest. The feel of her own numb flesh surprised her, so soft she never knew, never understood all those desperate reaching hands. 
And this last one um, is called Hey Andrew Schaefer. <laughs> hey Andrew Schaefer, if I had the right kind of laser and you had an electron microscope, I could write secret love letters to you in the curve of a paper clip. They might be short little verses about the abundant nature of love. The paperclip might be holding together a movie script about scarcity. Maybe when you pulled your message-encoded paperclip from the script, the pages would go tumbling away in the wind to be edited by wear and rough weather so that only the sweetest lines were legible, only the words you and enough, and you are always enough. So that weeks later, when strangers on train platforms picked up the scraps gusted into their hair, they might feel as if they were getting secret love letters from the universe. Wouldn't that be nice? Thank you, ladies. That was very nice. Layla and Rena. Mm, okay, so surprise, Ori, you're next. Where's Ori? Ori! <clears throat> I drank alone, but not naked, and a full pint couldn't even get them off me. Actually, someone, and I'm guessing it was you, soaked a poncho in the rain and threw it on me so I could barely make my fingers move. I've been feeling like when your arms don't wake up with the rest of you, my neck and jaw aching, I should eat more, my teeth say. F off, F you. My throat's still catching itself in the mirror. It's hard to speak, easy to think. Two lovers, lonely dry morning, I can't bear to look out the windows. Your crotch, my bed, some kind of ending, fluid and constant, still the start, stall, don't get up, I'm leaving. God believes me, you should too. There's a certain expectation, a kind of unnecessary complication breaking my mind, face, teeth. Swimming my way down the streets I'd love to get to know you better But you can't even see me straight We stand up and tumble over Your legs entwined in someone I'm not upset, but I'm tired now I'm not hungry, but this food is gone Make out with me Like a dried brick against concrete Blowing away in the wind, too Or your mild and sweet breath Like cinnamon or lily of the valley But fading, it's fading away You know I don't remember They aren't meant to last They aren't going to stay It falls to pieces as usual You can't figure in destruction or death Into this love you're worshipping It falls apart Side. Thank you. Thanks, Ori. Duane, will you please come up and share your words with us? Okay, a short poem called Endgame, written back in the 90s. World weariness drips from Ron McFarlane's pen into his poem, Van Gogh's Peasant. Similar words tumble from L.A. Bryan's mouth, speaking with eyes that want to love humanity, but which have seen too much to still believe in a species who eats its young, abandons its aged, and pushes each other off bridges just for fun. Thank you. Um, I am a legal pad. I have feelings. Please ask before you write on me. 
please stay within the margins. We all have boundaries. <laughs> and you should respect mine. Please use blue or black ink. I'm allergic to red dye number 40 and have had a torrid past laced with Sharpie fume abuse. I've been an active member of Inhalants Anonymous for seven years and would like to limit my exposure and risk of relapse. <laughs> to prevent other pages from carrying the shadow burdens of previous, pages writing, previous page writings, I ask that you print lightly. Page 44 is still distracted by the doodle your dad drew last week and can't focus. <laughs> When finished, you may leave your words attached for a small storage fee. Hey, I got to eat too. <laughs> Otherwise, you may remove a page through an exiting counseling process so that I may ensure future writers the best experience possible. Thank you. Thanks, Tiffany. Those were good. Uh, and last up, we got Scott. From the Black Drop, did everybody buy coffee? Yeah. Applaud if you bought coffee. You know when you take that first sip of a great cup of coffee from the Black Drop Coffee House and the world fades away and the sea of troubles is suddenly becalmed and every distant dream is a real possibility and all the quotidian trivialities just disappear. And you lean back in your chair and you take another drink of the sublime cup of coffee and all the quietly desperate moments of your life are now neither quiet nor desperate. And you watch as they all break out of the drama and start to sing and dance in the great cosmic Busby Berkeley musical in your mind. <laughs> all of it makes sense. Everything. The golden braid stretches out before you. The melody of your minutes like Mozart and the song of your life, of all life, indeed of all existence, blending perfectly burning with this gem-like flame into an overwhelming symphony of meaning that eternally surpasses us, but at the same time makes everything holy like the bright wings of the brooding world, the shook foil still shining, and my God, you haven't even finished with the cup of coffee. <laughs> coffee, really? Seems more like tears shed from a brooding melancholic angel contemplating the mysteries of the platonic solids against the symbols of vanitas than mixed with the ichor and mana and ambrosia and soma and every lost line of truth that has haunted every poet emerging from the evening dreams of Kublai Khan and future utopias floating in the burning clouds. <laughs> Coffee? Really? This exotic word echoing with ancient tales of dancing goats and desert hermits, watching through the night for the traces of the fugitive gods, this simple being that circles the globe and fuels the minds of millions, easing the transition from the realm of sleep to the bright, shining realm of wakefulness, lightening the burden of existence, sparking the cool tender of consciousness with its focusing diamond fires. The cup before you is now empty. And you sit before it like a Zen monk, contemplating the laughter of the Buddha. And you smile to consider that the baristas at the Black Drop make hundreds of these a day, each cup crafted as a work of art, created with passion, intensity, with great care, with the knowledge that it might brighten and lighten your day, illuminate your way, and fill your life with laughter and the simple joy of being. <laughs> All right, I'm thirsty for coffee again, but I know that it is too late to have coffee because poetry night is over, everybody. That was it. Let's give a hand to Scott. 
Just the tip. 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 Well, that's the house. Well, that's the house. I'm gonna follow, man. I'm gonna follow, man. At the very moment. At the very moment. We are living in the English be tricky. Poetry night.